Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. All right, good morning again, everyone. So I got to tell you, as we start out this morning, I had like the worst dream last night. So I, I was standing right here, okay, and, and out of nowhere, I lost my Bible, lost my notes, and started speaking, and then the microphone went out, so then I had to speak louder, and then I completely lost my voice, and it was just, it was literally like, like pastor, preacher, worst nightmare, okay? And then I woke up like five or four or something, I was like, thank God, that was just a dream. It's not reality. But I, I want to be honest with you today, sometimes that, that, is, that dream has been a reality for some people's past experience in church. Sometimes that type of dream has been other people's reality in their understanding of God growing up. And so as we move through this AIM series, I want to remind us and encourage us that God is calling us to create a culture that's so centered around the love of Jesus that come, some people come in and they keep coming in and they're blown away and they realize, wow, that bad experience I had wasn't really God at all. That bad, that bad moment I had where I misunderstood God way back when actually wasn't even Him. And so we just want to continue to stretch our understanding of what it means to be the body of Christ and, and to participate with Jesus in loving and living the way that he did. And so that's our prayer throughout this sermon series as today we, we continue with message number six and we will wrap it up next week. But we pray that each week your understanding of what Jesus was aiming at continues to just impact your personal understanding of him and what he's wanting to do in your personal life, in your family, and then within this church body. So we welcome you here today. And uh, I, would, I would certainly love to just say, man, last week I was just on the edge of my seat uh, listening to uh, Ben walk through Titus chapter 2. Because Titus chapter 2 was kind of like the ultimate overflow. I thought about just the sermon series just ending there. But there was still some more to, that we needed to talk about. But as he was just walking through Titus 2, I was like, wow, this is just it. This is it. Like for, for our relationship with Jesus to spill over into our families, to spill over into our friendships and relationships and even with people we don't know, and to see men pouring into men and women into men, women, <laughs> women into men, women into men, women. I about did it again. And so God, God's a big fan of humor. So there you go. Everybody relax. Everybody relax. But it was just, it was, it was so fun. It was, it was so fun. And, and so I want to begin today. Uh, kind of with this idea of walking away. And so one of the things being talked about last week, besides women pouring into men, was, was just this idea of, of when, there's, when is it a wise time to walk away? And he kind of touched on like if someone is, is, is being abused or taken advantage of or, or if someone's in a situation where, where they're being forced to compromise their, their integrity or go against the word of God, it's, it, it takes so much courage and it takes someone else maybe in your life to help that person to know when to w walk away. And, that, and that's a good thing. That's an important thing. Other times in life, walking away is just simply good for your health. Now, think about this. 
If you're at a birthday party, some of you went to birthday parties all summer long, you're at a birthday party and you've eaten like three slices of the birthday cake and you look across the room and there's one slice still there and you're just thinking, mm. you know, what you need to do in that moment is just what? Walk away. You just need to walk away because you know, you know, you're already at like 800% of your daily sugar intake of what's needed. And so you just, you need to walk away. And this is why as parents... We beg our children to just trust us, right? To trust us when we're like, no, you've had enough. You can't have any more because we see the belly ache down the road. We see them still up at midnight, right? And, and so we're, sometimes we're, we have to be honest in areas that people don't fully understand, but we know it's, it's for their good. Well, other times walking away isn't enough, other times, you don't just need to walk away. You need to run away. And so let me, let me paint a picture here. And so, uh, obviously, it's a hornet's nest hanging there. But, you know, for many of us, one of the things that we enjoyed as children was, was when we would see a hornet's nest, we would start picking up rocks. And we would start chunking it at, at the hornet's nest, right? Well, well this, this one time, I had, I had one of my buddies was over, and, he, and we were, there were several of us together. And he had never threw rocks at a hornet's nest. And so we were like, man, you got you got you got we got to do this. And so, you know, we start, you know, the thing is, is you start out way back here and everybody's chunking, but nobody's hitting. And so way back here moves to way, you know, up here. And then eventually you're kind of in that danger zone, right? And so, you know, we're kids, you're having fun. And then eventually somebody throws that rock and it just cuts the whole bottom half of that thing. And then these little armies with machine guns come bulling out of that hornet's nest, you know, like the 4th of July. And, and so no one says anything because you just, you just assume everyone knows. So me and some of my buddies, of course, we take off like madmen. And when we look back, there's our new friend. He is getting lit up. And we're like, run! Of course, by then, he had kind of figured it out. And, and, but I want you to think about this. We felt so bad because we didn't tell him. We didn't tell him, you know, when this happens, here's what you need to do. It's just kind of assumed. And sometimes church can be like that. People just assume things, and, and, and you need to deal with this. And, 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 you know, one time I told my wife, you know, you just need to count it all joy. That wasn't the time or the place to kind of give her a little sermon on counting this tough situation joy. And so you, you, just, there's times to speak up. There's times not to speak up. And there's times to walk away. And there's times to run away. But today, what, what we want to see or what we want to explore is just this idea of when it comes to following Jesus. When it comes to... His invitation to, to follow him wherever you are in your walk of life. We want to look at some scripture. And we want to see there, there were times and there were ways where Jesus cared enough to be honest. He cared enough to just, to just speak the truth. He still loves and he's still inviting. But, where, but what we see in these texts today is, is people walked away. And, and, and we're going to look at kind of why did they walk away? Why would you and I be tempted to walk away? Or why would someone that, you're, that maybe you're invested in or you're close to, why would they be tempted to, to, to walk away from, from his invitation to, to follow him? And sometimes seeing it from that other side, kind of like hearing the bee's nest story or hearing the bellyache story, when we see the negative side of it, 
For us, it can be like, oh. And so kind of the, the prayer is for just this, this, uh, this big idea to resonate deeper within us so that we would be a church that says, look, look, there's a lot of things in life I'll walk away from. There's some things I'll run from. But when it comes to Jesus, I know who my Redeemer is, and I'm not going anywhere. And so what I want you to do is, as our text will come from John chapter 6 today, Kind of just stir your imagination um, and, and step into John chapter 6. So we're going to kind of set it up for a second um, as you turn there. But imagine you're there, you're, you're, you're with Jesus, and you're in a place near the Sea of Galilee that's really large. And thousands of people, in fact, 5,000 or more people, are there to listen to Jesus. This is like the ultimate revival again, right? And Jesus, when he finished teaches, gets, gets finished teaching, and he says, hey, um, everybody's hungry. You should get them something to eat. And now, so you just kind of feel the weight of that moment. And, and, and eventually, Andrew, who brought Peter to Jesus earlier in this series, Andrew brings the little boy up to Jesus. And the little boy, you know the story, has two fish, small fish, and five loaves of barley bread. And, and, and eventually... Jesus does what only God himself can do. Jesus does what only God can do, and he multiplies it. And so everybody, the disciples and the people, are all experiencing just the, the, miracle, the miracle working Jesus, blessing everybody and, and pouring out and multiplying the bread and the fish. And so everybody gets full. Everybody gets fed, and maybe you remember when David preached on this uh, a couple years ago. He sat here with a large basket. Each disciple of the, each of the twelve collected a large basket of crumbs that to, you know for snack and breakfast the next day, I guess. And, and, and they've got their own leftover crumbs, and so the day kind of comes to an end. But the five thousand people recognize Jesus as more than just a guy, which is a good thing, right? But it, ha it happens in such a way that they try to forcefully take him as king. So Jesus does his thing, and he slips away through the crowd, and he gets out of there. And, and eventually the, the evening winds down, and the disciples go down to the boat at the Sea of Galilee, and they get in the boat, and they, they have the kind of the all-night experience of rowing in the storm and that whole thing. But here's what's interesting. The next day, the people come back to the little feeding of the 5,000 spot. And of course, they're all looking for Jesus. And they go and they look down at the lake and his boat, the, the boat the disciples traveled on isn't there. And they're like, oh, I bet they went to the other side and they're trying to find Jesus. They get in boats, they go to the other side and they come to Capernaum. And when they get there, they find Jesus teaching at a synagogue and at this point, this sounds awesome. Imagine being, you know, let's say this morning, 5,000 people come flooding into church. And they're like, we want to see, you know, we want to find Jesus. We would be like, let's go. This is awesome. But in this case, whenever they eventually find him, he speaks in a way that's like, whoa, that's kind of hard to hear. He looks at the people and he tells them, look, you, you, you were fed yesterday with, with the bread, with the, with the fish, and you've came back to me today for more bread. You, you, that, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here just to feed people bread. I'm here to offer my life as the bread of life. And so the people are trying to figure this out. 
And he begins to explain to them. Do you remember in the wilderness when manna came from heaven and the people ate it every day? And, and, and then they were hungry the next day and then they were hungry the next day. And he's stirring their minds to this big idea of those people ate physical bread every day and were satisfied. But they never became satisfied in the God who was giving it to them. And so he's making this huge connection. Like the, like the manna came from heaven, I'm the bread of life that has come down from heaven. And then they're scratching their heads and they're like, yeah, but your mom and dad's Mary and Joseph. I don't, they're not getting it. And he's trying to tell them again, I'm the bread of life. And what I want you to do is not just be satisfied with the physical things of life, but to be satisfied and fulfilled with me. That's why I'm here. And so, when, and so the conversation goes on and the people quarrel and they begin to argue. And eventually Jesus brings not just bread into the story, but blood into the story. And it kind of, you know, it, for some people, it kind of, that kind of gets gory. But he just says, look, look, in the same way that you need bread to live, blood is the flow through of life in your body. I want you to feast on me and live, and I want you to drink as if you're drinking my blood, but I want my life to flow through your body and out of your life. And of course, he's speaking spiritually. And the people respond this way. And it's here that I want, I want to invite you to please stand with me in reverence and honor for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible word. Verse 60 of John chapter 6 says, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, back to heaven? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there's some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And so he said, Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it's been granted to him by my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Let's pray. Father, as we just kind of explore this text and some others this morning, we ask that you would open our eyes and our hearts to receive your word and to help us to be in all of you and in all of the invitation that you have given for us to follow Jesus with our lives. But help us, Father, to not walk away from difficult things, things that are hard to understand, things that speak personally into our lives, things that are best for us, but sometimes it's hard to hear and it's hard to understand. Help us to be a church that gives people the freedom to wrestle with these things and to talk them out. Bless your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we move through this text and a couple other gospels, I want you to see today that every gospel intentionally made it a point to let us read or know about times when those who followed Jesus followed him no more. They walked away. And we don't know if they ever 
returned. And sometimes in seeing this reality, it sinks in deeper just how tragic this is, but it can become more compelling to us to say in, our, in your own personal life, I'm not going anywhere. And so in this moment, we could, we could say this, some people simply walk away because they're offended. The Greek word in verse 60, whenever these individuals said, this is a hard saying. The word for hard there means offensive. It's offensive, which is why Jesus actually then said, are you offended? Does this, does this offend you? And, and now you, you think of this. Telling a child you, you can't have any more cake. Well, sometimes, man, that's just, that's just be honest. That's hard to hear. If you're the kid, that's just hard. Why do we have to leave? Why can't I have some more? It, it's, it's hard to hear. And, but in verse 60, these, these people said, we can't really, under, because we're offended, we can't understand what he's talking about. And so there's a picture here that teaches us. When things that the Word of God says, and specifically Jesus himself, are hard to hear, that tells me to pause. And, and instead of just walking away, include someone. Instead of just abandoning the, the, the text or the devotional for the day, ask God, Lord, this is hard for me to hear. Help me to understand what it is. Help me to understand your heart in this. And what it is that you're, you're trying to reveal to me. Because the, the reality is, is when they walked away, because they didn't understand, they were walking away from the one who understands them better than anybody. When they walked away because they were offended, they were walking away from the one who's not offended to go to the cross and pay for their sins. And so maybe, just make a mental note here. Jesus didn't go anywhere. Jesus never left. He stayed right there. In fact, in fact, he turns to the other to the other 12 and he's like, "Look, are you they're leaving. Are you leaving too? Are you going to go away too?" And and be be encouraged by these familiar words from from Peter that just says, "Look, look, Lord, to whom to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let me pause right here and just say, Peter didn't necessarily understand the whole bread and, and blood thing. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Maybe he didn't. We don't know that he got it. But what he understood at this point was, I have a relationship with Jesus. And I see the way Jesus loves people. And I see the way that Jesus is trying to go out and fish for people. I may not get everything that he said, but if I walk away, you can bet I'm walking away from the one who has the words of eternal life. No one else has these words. And this is just so, it's so fun to say in your own personal heart to God, Lord, I know that you're the Christ. I know that Jesus is the son of the living God. Help me to, to, to read your word and to know you so that it's life to me, not offensive to me. Because we're all prone, we're all prone to read the word one day. And it's just like, I just really don't want to hear that. You know, sometimes your friend or your spouse or your parent tells you what you don't want to hear. But sometimes we need to hear it, right? But it's hard to receive it sometimes. And so when we say as a church, as the body of Christ, our aim is to make disciples who love and live like Jesus. I want to say to anybody, 
If something is hard, if something in the word of God is difficult, that, that's, there's times that we all struggle. If something is even offensive, can I just say, we're a church. We're not just here to say, suck it up, buttercup. We're here to say, look, look, we will walk with you through this. We will ask questions. We will share stories. We will come alongside you and pray with you through this because God wants to be found. He wants to be understood. And walking away would absolutely guarantee that we can't do that with you. But if you will stay and if you will stick it out, we're here to do life together. Jesus was committed to making sure eventually this was understood. But when they walked away, even Jesus himself couldn't do anything with that. So now think of this. When we turn, if we turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells us another version of this kind of scenario. In Luke chapter 9, Luke, Luke tells us that really quick in chapter 9 that the feeding of the 5,000 happened. And then eventually everybody ended up in Samaria. And, the thing, and everything in Samaria didn't go down too good. It, was actually, it actually got to the point to where the sons of thunder, James and John, were like, you want us to bring fire from heaven down and devour them? And Jesus is like, really? You, you, you don't really know what you're talking about. I, I didn't come to just bring fire down and just scorch everybody that doesn't listen to me. And so, and so they, they go on, they leave Samaria and, and they're journeying and probably that was kind of an awkward conversation there. But then someone walks up to Jesus and says, Lord, I will follow you anywhere. Now, that's got to be pretty encouraging if, if you're the disciples you know, Lord, let's say, you know, we're the church and, 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 and just a lot of people are rejecting us or whatever. And then all of a sudden we're doing our thing and somebody just comes up, Jeremy, I want to follow Jesus. I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. I'm ready. I mean, he's going to be like Wednesday night elders meeting, dude, it's time to pour into this guy or this gal. They're fired up. But right in the middle of this conversation, Jesus turns and says, look, look, look. You know, foxes have holes and birds have nests. They go home every day. There's times when the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. It's just his simple way of saying, look, you said that. But can I tell you, there's times on this journey whenever what, what the evening or what tomorrow holds is pretty uncertain. Can you trust me and walk by faith? Will you go with me wherever I go, even whenever we don't really know what the day holds? There's times it's going to be dis discomforting. You know, the, the fox goes home, the bird goes home, everything's good, everything's comfortable. Can you trust me enough when life is, dis is uncomfortable? And so we don't know how this person responds. But he must have had some buddies, or she had some buddies, or they had some buddies with him. Because, because Jesus turns to another person and says, hey, follow me. Let's go. Let's do this. This is, this is happening. And, and this person says, well, Lord, let me first go and, and, and bury my father. And Jesus responds, and it's kind of odd. It's kind of hard to hear. Let the dead bury the dead, but you come preach the kingdom of God. Well, I don't, you know, we don't know a lot of the scenario. And, and we'll come back to it in a second. And so another person said, Lord, I'll follow you. Uh, uh, but let, let me first, let, let me first go and, and bid them farewell who are at my house. And, and Jesus said, look, look, no one having put his hand to the plow and, and looking back 
is, is fit for the kingdom of God. And now, why did he have that conversation? But with Nicodemus, it was like, you know, for God to love the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, have everlasting life. Why? Because it's different. He's not just asking about, they're not just asking about how do I get to heaven? How do I get saved? They're saying, I want to follow you. I want to join in with your disciples. And so to put it simple, Jesus isn't saying you can't go to your dad's funeral whenever that time comes. And he's not saying you can't go home. You can't tell your family what's happening. You know that they're going to put you on the missing list next week if you don't show back up. He's simply saying, look, look. When you go back to your family, because this is a familial culture where the family dictates what you do. The family dictates where you spend Christmas, where you go for Thanksgiving. The family dictates when you get up and when you get, the family controls everything. When you go back to your family, will you actually be coming back to me? When you go back to those who have the closest relationship in your life and they have the most influence in your life, will you allow them to dictate whether you come back and keep your word and follow me? Jesus is just saying, I want to be real with you. I want to warn you that you may go back and they may tell you something different. They may actually be working against me. And if, the, if you allow them to do that, they have first place. And I have second place. So he's simply saying, when we talk about this idea of, of, of making disciples or following Jesus, we are wanting to help ourselves and others to understand and continue to understand that giving him first place is the greatest thing that we can do with our lives. It's us saying, Lord, you know best, and I don't, so I trust you. It's, it's us saying, you have the freedom to call the shots in my life. I don't want to just sing about you here, but then go out there and do everything my way. So speak into me. So you might could say, we might could say, some people walk away because they have the me first mentality. They, they want to take their agenda and try to figure out how to, how to fit Jesus in somehow to their, to their agenda and, and their way of life. But what if, what if you could flip it? And, and what, if, what if those individuals said, wow, wow, I'm amazed that you would invite me to join you. Well, I'm amazed that you would put me first and let me be a part of what you're doing because, because Jesus came to do his Father's will. His Father's will was to go after the people, was, was to come and to rescue the people so that the people could have the relationship with him. That would be amazing. But sometimes individuals, in the way our fleshly nature teaches us to think the way that we're as a church we're always trying to break free from is is this way of thinking of well what will it cost me well okay if i if i if i follow you i mean what will it what does that mean does all mean all or does it mean like 98 percent, but not 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 all of me how much of my life is given over to to you and your agenda and sometimes the idea of what will it cost me and maybe your bible at the end of Luke 9, has a little title above that paragraph, the cost of discipleship or the cost of following Jesus. And so when we ask the question, what will it cost me? Sometimes it's easy to make that all about like, what am I having to give up? Where if we flip the question and said, 
what will it cost me if I don't follow him? In other words, what will I actually miss out on in my marriage, in my relationships with my friends? Who will I miss out on getting to share the gospel with if I don't get caught up in this grand relationship of following Jesus? Well, then we're going to look at one more. It's from Matthew's gospel. And let me maybe introduce this this way. Have you ever been the person or maybe talked to the person that, that when you're talking, they kind of move kind of into your personal space and, you know, their, their face is right here. And then you're talking and then it kind of, it's, you know, it's right here. And then you continue the conversation. And as you kind of move away a little bit, some of you like, yeah. And then, you know, by the end of the conversation, you're all the way across the room. And the other person has no idea. And sometimes maybe you're that person. Maybe I'm that person. If I am, just be like, you're in my personal space, brother. And so we're a close-knit church, you know. But, but in, this, in this next passage, it's not that Jesus is awkwardly, like, getting nose-to-nose and trying to make it awkward. But what you can say is because Jesus loves this person so much, he steps into his personal space. He, he speaks into his personal space to really try to say, look, look, if you will deal with this... It will free you for everything I want for you. And so it's in, it's in Matthew 19. It's a familiar passage. It's, it's Jesus' conversation with, with the rich young ruler. But just kind of just go there in your mind and kind of listen to the conversation as, as this, this individual, this man approaches Jesus and, and he's wanting to do something to, to, in, to obtain eternal life, which in Jesus is, in a way, in his mind, he knows you can't do anything because I'm about to go do everything and make it free. But Jesus doesn't just want him to obtain eternal life. He wants him to jump in on the follow Jesus bandwagon. And, and so he begins to have this conversation and, and he talks about keeping the commandments. And, and the guy's like, well, I mean, yeah. You know, I've kept the commandments. It's kind of like, you know, I've went to church my whole life, you know. You remember in Sunday school when you used to have the little sticker by your name? And when you got, like, you know, the perfect attendance or, like, 25 stickers, you got something. You know, remember, remember those, those days? Well, this guy's like, I don't miss a Sunday. I know all the hymnals. You know, I got, I got the backup little KJV Bible in my pocket, you know. I, I'm, I'll always bring my Bible, you know, when we used to count Bibles. And so he, he says, I've kept all the commandments. And Jesus said, well, well you know, you've, you're doing pretty good. And the guy's like, well, what do I still lack? And Jesus says, um, well, look, go sell what you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Come follow me. And then, you know, the man hears what he said and he goes, he, he went away. He walked away. And it's, and it's kind of sorrowful to read about it, ain't it? I mean, it's like maybe Matthew 19 will change one day. But it's just, it's always the same. But he had great possessions. But all Jesus is doing, Jesus isn't saying having money or things is a problem. He's simply speaking to this man's identity. His identity is in his things. And so the things he possesses actually possesses him. The things that he owns actually owns him. And the things that he holds to 
is actually holding him back from the thing that he wants the most and the thing that we really, we really want the most. And that's to follow Jesus with our lives. And, and so he goes away sorrowful because he, 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 he realizes, I can't carry all this stuff with me. And, you know, maybe we could relate to this. Have you ever had something that took a lot of time to maintain? Have you ever had, do you, do you have something right now? I'm not saying get rid of it. If you do, donate it to the church. We'll sell it. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, have you ever had something that almost became annoying to keep maintaining it? And one day you finally was like, put it on Facebook and sell it. Get rid of it. Give it away. Sell it. I don't care. And then when you did, you're like, that is so rewarding to not watch that thing mold or mildew or rust anymore. It's gone. And your wife was like, hallelujah. And, and, you know, but Jesus is really saying what you really want more than anything is to be free to follow me. And what I want for you more than anything is to be free from things that have a hold on your life so that you're free to follow me. So what I'd like to do is just really just say this. He didn't say this, but maybe the most simple way to put it is, is this guy kind of walked away with the attitude of my stuff is my treasure. It is what I follow. It is what I cling to with my life. So I want to close this morning by just thinking, how do I deal with the, the, the I? You know, I'm offended. How, how do I deal with the, the me first mentality? How do I deal with my stuff? Is my stuff, it's, it's my treasure. Well, maybe one of the most simple ways that we could put it was when Jesus' when Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Lord, you're a stud of a prayer warrior. Teach us to pray like you. And, you know, many of us memorize this. We said it before every football game or, or whatever game or practice. But when you just reach in and grab a few words from this prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll just close this morning and think about how powerful this is. Jesus wanted us to pray not my will be done, not I will, me will, my will be done, but your will be done. Because he literally is saying, manna came from heaven, Jesus came from heaven, I want my will to come from heaven, and I want heaven to come crashing into your earthly life, and I want you to experience heaven on earth. I want your marriage, your home, your relationships, your friends, your work to be heaven on earth. So watch this as we close. The title of Ben's sermon last week was A Disciple-Making Culture. And we just saw just, you know, just the will of God invade our lives in Titus chapter 2. It was so refreshing. And just think for a second how sometimes the church, the church can actually hold on to a culture that's anti-Jesus. If the church holds on to a culture that's really all about the information and, and the, the lights and the, and the sound, and I'm not against lights and sound and all that, and, and, but sometimes it's more about a performance, it's more about impressing people, what, what that does is it always impresses people, but it never goes into some of the scriptures that are kind of offensive, that kind of, you know, like Ephesians 5 
Go home and love your wife. It can, can, you know, if you've had a rough week and you've kind of failed in that area, it can, some, it can be good to hear but hard to hear sometimes. You know, Ephesians 6, the kids love it whenever it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. It just, it's like it never goes away. But be real with me. Other times the church culture can, 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 can preserve a kind of like a feel-good type of service so much that we're just so glad that you're here as long as you keep giving. And, and so we want you to feel good about being here. And again, again, it's all about really the people feeling good when they leave and not necessarily like who is God and how awesome is he and what's he inviting us into. And then other times there's, there's this prosperity gospel. There's the gospel that the rich young ruler would love. It, it's, it's the teaching and the preaching that just keeps saying, look, God wants you to be a multimillionaire. He wants you to live in, in this and drive this and do this. And if you don't have this in your bank account, then you're missing out on God. And, and so it's, it's a prosperity kind of a gospel preaching. And it, it ignores what Jesus just said. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This could be tied at times with finances. And then, and then there's another culture that, that really just, and just hear me out here, it plays the emotions a lot, and it really plays the scare tactic a lot. And let me just tell you how scary judgment is and how scary and hot hell is. And so that, so that you're always questioning your salvation, which means you're always responding and moving. And, and so the movement gets, you know, kind of, the, it looks spiritual. And, and so, but Jesus... Jesus is showing us that here's the thing. If the only thing that I ever hear as a saved believer going to heaven, saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit, if, only, if the only thing you and I ever hear or talk about is the message about a hell that we will never see, taste, touch, or feel, how does that really challenge you to deal with you? How does it really ever challenge you and me to deal with my ego, step out of my comfort zone and into what God has called us to, in, which is in following him? So I want to close by simply saying, let us be a church that says, Lord, this is about you. This is a Jesus culture. We just, we're coming here and, and we're asking your will to be done. We're asking for heaven to come crashing into my earthly life and draw me closer to you so that when I leave here, I go out following you and being your light and your love in this world. Let's pray. Father, it is here that we simply ask what Jesus invited us to pray for. That you would help us to deal with the I, the me, and the my. And that you would help us to continually come to you longing for one thing, your will to be done. For heaven to come crashing into our earth and for you to have your way in this church, amongst these relationships, in our families, amongst our friendships, so that when we go out... We don't go out to do our will and to do our agenda, but to know and believe that we're participating with the God of heaven and earth and nothing could be greater. Bless your people this morning and draw us to yourself by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. 
We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day. 